Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hello, Maya Lau here, and welcome to Other People's Pockets. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you at otherpeoplespockets at gmail.com on your thoughts on the show or anything else. Subscribe or follow this podcast on whichever podcast app you use and give us a rating and a review and tell a friend about it. All of it helps support this show. I work in activism, so I'm very tuned into the news cycle. I'm very concerned about it. But for those special days I'm storm chasing, none of that matters anymore. I can be sitting there in a field watching a storm tower grow, and I'm not thinking about what law Oklahoma is trying to pass. I'm thinking, this storm looks good. How does a love of extreme weather translate into making money? My guest, Rachel Sanner, is a professional storm chaser. She's a photographer, filmmaker, and co-founder of Tornado Titans, a media brand by self-described weather nuts who capture images of tornadoes, supercells, monsoons, blizzards, and more. Rachel is a Choctaw trans woman born and raised in Oklahoma, and she's transforming the image of storm chasing away from being dominated by straight white cis men. Rachel chats about the income she gets from her day job in activism at the ACLU and about whether she could afford to do storm chasing full time, and also about the money conversations she has with her wife. I'm Maya Lau, and this is Other People's Pockets, the show where I ask people how much they make and how their finances work so that the questions we all have about money can be a little bit less of a mystery. Thanks again, Rachel. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to be here. Who are you and what are you into? Well, I am Rachel Sanner, and I am uh, absolutely obsessed with uh, weather and severe weather at that. And more specifically, if we're just continuing on that, uh, the logical conclusion, uh, supercells and tornadoes. I mean, been chasing storms for 20 years now, and I can truly say it's been 20 years. I've been saying 20 years, it seems like, for like four or five years, because it's just like sounded better to round up, but now this yeah. is actually finally 20 years. How old are you? Uh, 36. So you can do the math. I started when I was 16 years old. Uh, that's what I'm obsessed with. That's what the world knows me uh, for, is storm chasing, but I'm also 
an activist. I work every day on issues, not just trans issues either, issues across the spectrum of things that just hurt people and trying to make people's lives better in this country every day. And I just, I don't know. The, Storm chasing, I keep a pretty busy schedule, but I also just happen to uh, just live a quiet, normal life otherwise. <laughs> well, going back to storms really quick, what's a supercell? A uh, supercell is the rotating thunderstorms that last for hours and hours. So you have common storms, which most people are used to, where they form and they die all within about an hour. A supercell, when it forms, it just it start, it's rotating first off, but also that precipitation that falls back through the storm in most other contexts is actually pushed away. So the storm's able to continually breathe in and continually uh, keep itself going. And those are the storms that are responsible for all the stuff you see on the news, the giant hell, the big tornadoes, the, mm-hmm. that they all come from supercells. And so people always talk about storm chasing as like pursuing tornadoes. I always mm-hmm. have seen it as pursuing supercells. Mm-hmm. And then tornadoes are a byproduct of that. But the supercells cell itself is the thing that I mean keeps me coming back I mean it's for 20 years so so a tornado is a type of supercell or is an offshoot of a supercell uh, a tornado is just basically like a product of it kind of like hell is a product okay. of a supercell oh, interesting a, tor- a tornado is a part of a supercell in the sense that if the su- if all the things line up it's 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 something that science is still like we're getting really close with the science on it but Basically, not every supercell produces a tornado. And that's the question we're starting to ask and wonder why that is. And there's really great research coming out about how it's different. Like there's no silver bullet for why this one did and this one didn't, but there's a lot of different factors that go in and any one of them could push a storm over the edge to producing a tornado. Hmm. Okay, so what is it that first hooked you about storms? It was growing up in Oklahoma, uh, outside of a small town called Velma, Oklahoma, population 600. My graduating class was 30, like two people. So I like to tell people I grew up with 32 siblings because I was with those same 32 people from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. I was a kid and just watching these giant storms come in. Like it dominated your life because it was Mm like, we have a sports game later, but there's a tornado watch. So we may or may not go, we're going to keep an eye on the weather. Or you may or may not have school this week because there may be a lot of snow. Like, like it was just like a constant factor. Like it's going to be really hot this week. It was, weather was all around you and all just a part of your daily re- mm-hmm. routine. So for me, it was hard not to be fascinated with it. And then mm-hmm. just like seeing the storms roll in, I would just like, this is really cool. Like I would storm chase on my bike over, I would drive from my house to my grandma's house, literally like half a mile down the road in the, in the country. Like, like, you know, I'm just driving down this paved road onto my bike to get up on a hill to watch these storms build and move in. Those were really fond memories. It was great. I loved it. But at the same time, yeah, it was also like growing up, you saw all the dark sides of it too. You saw like May 3rd, 1999, seminal moment for me as a kid. Uh, F5 tornado went right through Moore, Oklahoma. Uh, The first uh, major violent tornado that hit Moore actually, which is absolutely absurd Mm -hmm. to say. (laughs) 
And uh, that one was really seminal because I had a band concert actually going on that evening. And so I was actually glued to the TV watching this tornado outbreak. And I was so mad I had to go play my saxophone in the band, school band later that evening because I was just like, this is the, this is the wildest thing I've ever seen. So I like was watching TV like almost like you were peeking around the corner as you walked out the door to go to your concert. And the first thing, like got done with the concert, I said, we're going home. And I went, went home, first thing I did, sat down in front of the TV and watched the weather again. <laughs> you had mentioned an F5 tornado before. What is an F5 tornado? Yeah, that's a great question. So tornadoes are rated the, uh, the back then in 1999, was they were rated by the Fujita scale. Now they're the enhanced Fujita scale. So now we say EF5 for anything after 2007. But uh, F5 tornado would be like the top end tornadoes, kind of like a Cat 5 hurricane, like absolutely everything you see is demolished around you. Like you look and it just like houses are flattened, neighborhoods are rec- unrecognizable. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's terrifying to see a tornado that strong. Like storms, when you're talking storms, you're talking about things that make mountains look small. So when you're talking about tornadoes, mm-hmm. which are smaller than storms, you're talking about basically mountains, things that look mm-hmm. like mountains, so to speak. And they're coming for you. They're going to destroy everything in their path, so to speak. And when you're talking about an EF5 tornado, you're talking about a thing that you almost have to be underground for to avoid getting mm. injured or killed. Like you, And that's like in a place like Oklahoma where a lot of people have cellars or storm shelters, something like that. Great. But when you're talking about places like in the South, which don't have those because of social mm. economic reasons and historical reasons, mm. but are now seeing a lot more of these types of tornadoes, that makes the human toll a lot higher, a lot worse, because you're getting these strong, violent tornadoes like an EF5 that levels everything. You mix that with like poorly constructed housing, no way to take shelter, and it's just a toxic brew that results in horrible loss of life when something mm-hmm. happens. We saw it in Mayfield a couple of years ago in Kentucky. We saw it in Rolling Fork earlier this spring. And poverty and tor- violent tornadoes are a deadly, horrible combination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From your vantage point, thinking about weather, um, knowing what you know and devoting your life to it, what scares you the most about climate change? I had a great conversation on our channel with uh, Dr. Walker Ashley, who's one of the foremost like people who study this stuff in America. And, and the thing he said is something that I have been thinking about, too, is what you're seeing on the Great Plains right now is summer is expanding on both sides. And summer on the Great Plains is hot and it's typically drier. But the problem is, is the two months that it's expanding into, June and September, are two of the rainiest months of the year historically. So you're talking about completely shifting a landscape that goes from 20 inches of rain to 12 inches of rain, or 40 inches of rain to 28 inches of rain. And you're completely changing what that what's possible there. There was a great article recently in the New York Times about how we're losing our aquifers in the middle of the country. And a lot of our national security uh, is built around having enough food that mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about these things, that it's cheap. We can Food afford- and water, yeah. yeah. It, it's those things. And we're seeing in a lot of the country, in a lot of the middle of the country, you're seeing desertification of the plains. And you're seeing like the high plains right now. You're talking about cities like 
Amarillo, Texas, or uh, Tucumcari, New Mexico, Guymon, Oklahoma, Dodge City, Kansas, like places that most Americans aren't thinking about, but mm. they're dealing with a two crisis, two prong crisis. One, they can't, they're not going to have enough water to do what they've done to underlie their economy because that that's going away. Like th- those aquifers are going away. You don't have enough rain. So your yields are going to go down. You're going to lose a lot of money, right? On the other end of that too, automation has made it to where 50 years ago, you needed a hundred people to work this farm, to plow these fields, to pick the uh, crops, that sort of thing. You can do that with two or three now. So these towns that mm-hmm. were a thousand people, 50 years from now, maybe gone. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be entire towns that are just disappeared off the map in large swaths of the country because they don't have water and they can't uh, sustain the economies they had before. And there's no real future there right now with how we're treating this uh, from a policy standpoint. It's a brutal irony that people who are being elected to represent these people are the ones that are denying the reality of what's about to happen to them. It's a brutal irony and it's going to be absolutely horrible for a lot of these towns. And to me, that's scary because that, if that affects us on two levels. First, national security, like how are we going to feed America? How are we going to get, get water to Americans right now? Like th- those, that's two very important questions. But also, what do you do with entire swaths, of, a huge swath of the country that has no economic future that's viable? We're, mm-hmm. we're in for a world of hurt in the next decade or two. Have you seen people who maybe believed the politicians who say that climate change isn't real and who've kind of dismissed that. Have you seen in recent years with all the extreme weather events we've had realize, oh, yes, climate change is real. This is happening. And kind of we need, actually need to call out these people that, I, you know, that, that they may have voted for, but who are clearly lying about climate change. Yeah, I'm from, you know, those parts of the world where this is most predominant. I'm from the state where famously one of the senators <laughs> held up a snowball in the Senate. Like, I'm from that. That's Those are my people. I see it. And uh, I see people changing their minds. And I also see other people digging in. Hmm. A lot of the people I see digging in, it's not going to be their problem. I don't know how else to say that because they're going to be gone. <laughs> When this is really impacting. Because they're old? Yeah, because they're old, yeah. They're, they're going to be gone. Like, like they're, they're, it's just not going to be a thing. And I think part of that, I mean, just to, to psychoanalyze, I think politics is personal, and I think we have to think about these things in terms of how people react to things. I don't think, I think there's a whole generation of people who don't want to think about the fact that they're responsible for a very bad future for their children and grandchildren. They just don't, they don't mm-hmm. want to confront that. And when presented with it, they run from it because that's like something they don't want to have to confront because if they did they would see the future they have created and what they have ignored for three decades now i mean we knew this was a thing in the late 80s like so they they will see that and that that's hard that's hard to realize that you messed up like i mean nobody likes to uh, admit when they're wrong they feel blamed and so they just feel defensive Yeah, yeah exactly and but i also see people who are recognizing it like we, we just, it never used to get this hot, did it? Mm-hmm. No, no, like, it didn't. Gee. <laughs> no, yeah. it didn't. It, we, never, we never used to have, uh, we used to have tornadoes in June, but we really don't have them anymore. It's like summer now. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing, 
They turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Tell me a bit about growing up, um, a little bit more about where you grew up and what money looked like in the home you grew up in. Yeah, when I grew up, growing up was an interesting experience for me because I like to tell people I saw both sides of like the wealth spectrum. When I was a kid, my parents and my dad specifically was working for my grandfather, but was making like a pittance for pay because my, I mean, admittedly, my grandfather bought my dad his house. He, you know, he, he did all these things to uh, subsidize his living, but was not giving him a lot of money. So for me, even back then, like a Hot Wheel car, a Barbie or something like that, you know, pretty, not, not too expensive. And I can distinctly remember many times being told we don't have the money for that. We can't do that. And I just remember that vividly, uh, just how different it was. I remember going to the uh, IHS clinic and uh, getting art. We we got free healthcare at IHS. What, sorry, what's IHS? Oh, the Indian Health Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Choctaw. Uh, I'm a citizen okay. of Choctaw Nation. So uh, we we got healthcare from IHS, We, which is not specifically a lower income thing, but for us, it was a way to save money for them to actually get the you know, take advantage of the opportunities that have been given to us. And there were, there were different things like that growing up. I remember the food quality drastically improving. We went from, you know, buying the bottom of the barrel type of store brand products to the, the better stuff, you know, the better meat, the better um, tortillas, stuff like that. I, I just distinctly remember that because my grandfather gave the business to my father and his brother. And so in high school, I got to experience the other end where I got my car bought for me by my dad. I, Mm. my first, my storm chasing vehicle, my first two, I had them bought by my dad. And I was, I mean, and I, anything I wanted, it was given to me basically within reason, like within reason. But I think it's really informed a lot of my work in the activism space, for sure, because I, I've experienced it both ends. And also as a young adult, then uh, going back into the, uh, we got to pick between groceries or fixing this. Like, mm-hmm. so, I've gotten to experience like a great seesaw of uh, fortune when it mm-hmm. comes to money. Did you grow up on a reservation? That's a complicated question these days, because uh, the Supreme Court ruled that indeed I did a couple of years ago in the McGirt decision. Uh, I actually grew up on, in Chickasaw lands, not Choctaw lands. My wife is actually Chickasaw. But yeah, I technically did grow up on reservation land, but it's not what people 
think recognized of. at yeah. the time. Yeah, and it's also not like what you think of when when you're thinking of it. I, I understand there's certain connotations that come with that, but for me, it was you know it was just home. Was your family also into storm chasing? I mean, just to preface this, both of my parents are now uh, passed on, uh, unfortunately. Very, very young, actually. But my mom was my biggest fan. She always, like, asked for pictures that I took so she could print them and, you know, all those things. She would always brag about it. Uh, but in the one of my greatest regrets was that my mom... Uh, she died in 2015, actually, right before I started in TV and won awards mm. for my storm chasing. I think my mom would have been absolutely like my biggest champion, both through that and also through my coming out as trans, because she was just like, I don't know. She was my biggest fan completely. And my dad, too. My dad was always like, he told me he was proud of me many times, but I never really knew exactly how much until his funeral and everybody was coming up and telling me how great he was, but how proud of me he was because he would always talk about mm. uh, me both because he knew me as me. He knew me uh, post coming mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. they always said, yeah, he was always defending you. He was always uh, telling people that it was none of their business and to let her live her life and be awesome. And I remember distinctly the the, the best moment uh, before my dad died. My dad said, I don't care what anybody says. I got two beautiful daughters now. And it was just, uh, to me, that was, it still sticks with me. I, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Like people really want to assign a monolith to people like from rural places, like rural Oklahoma. But really, it's a lot more diverse than that. And people, I've experienced, you know, some really terrible things from people back home, but also some really awesome things, too. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you came out as trans? 30 years old. So six years now, five, six years that I've been out and Mm -hmm. living my best life. Uh, (laughs) I, I can honestly say, I mean, this has been the best five years of my life where I have grown more than I've ever grown before. I've become very comfortable with who I am. There's so many different forms being trans can be. That's another misconception people might have. That there's more than one way to be trans. And we all have different uh, weird things that we love, too. Like, I love storm chasing. Someone else loves, like, uh, lawnmower racing. How much money are you making right now off of storm chasing? Yeah, right now, uh, it depends on the year. When things were better and I was kind of just doing working with media companies, it was thirty, forty thousand a year, honestly. Now we're talking something closer to about twenty thousand a year with storm chasing, which of course I have a full time job. I, I do other things now too. And started at the ACLU, have worked you know, five years there now. And that's been a this has been a dream job too. What do you do there? Uh, I actually work in the communications department. So I I just do marketing, that sort of thing. Uh, A lot of what I've always done. But I did it because, I mean, I I, I joked with coworkers about this, and they think I'm absolutely off my rocker, so to speak. But I'm like, this has been a nice vacation. And they're like, what? (laughs) I mean, because it's intense work. But working... Yeah, you don't have to worry about paying other people and running the whole thing. You just do your job. Yeah, I'm just doing my job. I'm getting great benefits. I don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. Uh, And it's nice. It's been really nice. But yeah, honestly, that itch is starting to happen again uh, to try to do Mm -hmm. my own thing. So I don't know what it looks like. I've got a lot of ideas and 
we'll see which which one floating comes out because I think like storm chasing is best done in combination with something else that you can do like 12 months a year but particularly mm. concentrate for those six months how much do you make from your full-time job uh, my salary is in the 70,000 range, uh, okay. which is great. You know, you, you can do the math then. And then uh, my wife on top of that has a really nice salary. So we are doing really well as a household. We're in the 150, 160,000 range. Combined. Yeah. And I'm making more mm-hmm. than my parents ever did. So it's like weird because I still consider myself very working class, but there is not a single working class person on earth that's making that much money, you know? So, you know, you're, you're just not doing that. So... I don't know. Like I always see myself as more of a more in common with those folks, but I also think it's true. We're, we're most of us are a lot closer to being unhoused than we are to being Warren Buffett. So you know, we're <laughs> all more linked uh, together than we aren't when it comes to economics. So I was looking at some of your videos, and I was just kind of realizing how really meditative it is to watch these storms unfold, and you know, and you put it to music and you kind of narrate throughout the day, you know, now I'm going to go here and now this is developing. What is it that you like about it as you're doing it? Because I imagine it can take all day, multiple days, a lot of waiting. You know, what's the experience like for you? The world fades away when you're storm chasing. Nothing matters except what you're doing out there in the field. You're constantly checking data for, you know, model data, surface data, satellite data. You're looking at the storm. You're also talking to people. You're living in the moment. It's the one time that everything else in my life can fade away. Like I've mentioned, like I work in activism, so I'm very tuned into the news cycle. I'm very concerned about it. But for those special days, I'm storm Mm -hmm. chasing. None of that matters anymore. Like, mm-hmm. we, we are all storm chasers. Weather's for everybody. I kind of get to live in this idea of a utopia, so to speak, where we're all united and we all see it as something like that. And there are, of course, some bad apples within storm chasing because people are selfish, greedy, et cetera, you know, all the things that happen. But for me, it's just like I can be sitting there in a field watching a storm tower grow, like this big cumulus cloud growing up into the sky. And I'm not thinking about what law Oklahoma is trying to pass that day or what law Kansas is trying to pass. I'm thinking this storm looks good. The base is wide. It's going to move northeast. We're in a great position because we got highways all the way. You know, I'm thinking about all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about any of the mm-hmm. other stuff. Right. And it, it's it's just this ultimate all-encompassing experience. About 10 years ago, no, oh, gosh, oh man, I am old. This is 12 years ago now. Oh no. Oh no, that totally changes everything. Oh no, it's, it's so bad. Uh, but about 12 years ago, I was uh, chasing in Southeast Oklahoma. And Southeast Oklahoma, hills and trees, very hard to see stuff because of all that. It makes storm chasing hard. But we were down there, big day, lots of ingredients there that we were looking for for tornadoes. And the storm had a tornado on the ground. Like we saw it through the trees, giant wedge tornado, which means the tornado is wider than it is tall. So you're talking half a mile, mile wide. So I'm like, well, we got to get north. We got to get into this town so we can actually see it. Because out there, being in a town is probably the best way to see a tornado because the trees go away and that sort of thing a little bit more. And so we get into town and I'm watching this tornado just get closer to us, vortices spinning through the air. And there was this moment where I was like, this tornado is south of us. And it's moving north. We're north of the path. 
which is a very bad spot to be because you have two options at that point. Drive north into the hill core and get your car completely destroyed. At this time, I had a five-day-old vehicle. Or you need to drive south through the tornado's path, which is an absolutely terrible idea for, I mean, I think it doesn't need to be said, but it's a terrible mm. idea. But I drove south and uh, lesson learned, never get to the left of a tornado's path ever again because we were hit by the outer parts of that circulation, had tree branches hitting us. There's actually a point the winds were so strong, the windshield wipers stopped and then flipped over. And so the windshield wipers were upside down. We had power lines arcing beside us, trucks were rocking and falling over on the highway. It was like a real life, like action movie scene where stuff, just chaos was everywhere. And we were like escaping the outer clutches of this tornado. And what about staying in the town and, like, finding a shelter? At the time, it was, honestly, we had seconds. Had I stayed there another 30 seconds, the car, I, I, we okay. probably would have lived, but the car would not have lived, <laughs> so to speak. There were trucks sideways on the side, through, across the road and such at that point, and we would have had a lot of trouble getting out of there, and we would have been trapped and probably hit by debris, that sort of thing. So... Uh, you just, especially storm chasing, you don't have that much time to really do something like that. So you just kind of gotta, you kind of gotta do what you, what you do. And really it comes down to us. Like that's when the stay right rule was invented, where we stay to the right of the tornado's path because tornadoes will turn right, but not very sharply because of physics. Like Mm. it, it, that would be, that's too much like turning against the wind to really do that. Is that a hemisphere thing? Like, if you were in the southern hemisphere, would it be the other way? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and because tornadoes are rotating counterclockwise, uh, they will tend to turn left, especially as they weaken. Mm. So if you're left of the path, that tornado is eventually probably going to turn Mm -hmm. towards you. This is something that people really get wrong about the El Reno tornado in 2013, where the storm chasers were killed. That was not unprecedented. In fact, that was like an expected outcome of that day Mm. with how things were. Like a deviant tornado motion that day was almost due north. So you don't want to be north of those tornadoes. Like people have been chasing a really long time, for the most part, new, and you, you have to take some pretty big risks to be north of a tornado on that day. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Storm chasing typically has been a very white male dominated space if i'm not mistaken it's a little bit of a tough guy thing can you talk about that i mean what what's been your experience with that and whether that's felt um welcoming or 
or like a space that you can step right into or what, what's that been like? Yeah, it's been amazing. Like, of course, there's people who say terrible things. Like, I think that's to be expected. But the face of storm chasing is changing. I, I would like to think I'm a part of that. Uh, we have Girls Who Chase, founded by Jen Walton, who is basically showing the world that women can storm chase. Also, LGBTQ plus people can storm chase. Weather is for everybody. Because we all experience the weather. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you, a tornado forms, it doesn't go toward your town and it doesn't aim for the red people who voted Republican or people who voted Democrat or it doesn't do that. It just goes through town. So for me, that's the thing that I hope that I can add to this conversation is that no matter what, we all experience a lot of things equally. Uh, we have a lot more in common than we have apart. Like if you are a working class American, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation, your gender identity. You're experiencing a lot of the same things. You're trying to figure out how am I going to put food on the table this week while also fixing my car? Those are things that you ha- you have to make sacrifices and compromises. And I'm hoping that through weather, I can also show another thing that we all have in common. So yeah, it's been dominated by white men for sure, definitely for years and years and years. But also many of those white men are really good people and are okay with ceding some space. Like like my grandfather did with my dad and uncle, they're, they're quite okay with ceding that space and allowing the pot to grow bigger because quite honestly, there's more, there's more than enough weather for all of us. <laughs> What did it look like in the past and what does it look like now for you? Like, can you just now do stuff on YouTube or, you know, you have these other platforms? How does that work? 10, 15 years ago, you could make a solid living as a storm chaser selling breaking news footage to like ABC, CBS. Mm. Like you're talking getting, you know, $2,000 a storm chase. And if you're chasing, you know, you can just do that math and add it up. Mm. Uh, That was when budgets were bigger. And also footage was a lot more scarce, like supply demand. Uh, There's a lot more footage. Everybody has a really great Mm. camera in their hands these Mm. days. The best tornado video every single event is not from Storm Chasers. It's from uh, Jack and Sharon sitting on their front porch filming the tornado. Like that's that's the best footage every single time, it seems like. So not only are storm chasers like getting outclassed in that way, but also the supply of storm chasers has increased. So the market has understandably changed. Before you would sell breaking news video, maybe work Mm. for a TV station like I did, and you would do pretty well for yourself actually. Cause I actually, before my current job was doing a lot of storm chasing and making 30, 35,000 a year with that. Plus my media business I was running on the side. I was making 60, 70,000 myself, great living. As everybody does in the media space, you have to think about, you are now a media company. Tornado Titans is a media company. We're not a storm chasing company. We're a, we're a media company. Like that's uh, our storm chase team. Uh, we have over a million people following us across all platforms. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's actually kind of uh, daunting, but it's also like I'm the worst uh, social media influencer ever because I do sometimes forget that I have social media accounts and I should be like monitoring Posting them. And them. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it's kind of funny uh, in yeah. that way. But I absolutely like w- with Tornado Titans. Like we we I approach things 
as a media company. We approach everything. It's not a we're, storm chasing is how we get content, but it's it, it's only one way we get content because I also do videos with this studio right here. I do videos all the time in here talking about weather, teaching about weather. That's like our thing. That's our jam is teaching people about weather. And we also do things like influencer brand deals. Like that that's one way you can do it. Like work with companies to further their product, talk about it. Storm chasing the job is not really storm chasing the job. If you want to be a successful storm chaser, you have to be a successful media entrepreneur, mm -hmm. social media marketer, marketer, uh, product inventory right. management. You know, you got to do all these things. And it's something that the world's demanding of creators more and more. And people mm -hmm. who want to be in media, you got to be multidisciplinary. You got to be a great photographer, videographer. You got to know how to video edit and also market it. It's just the whole gamut now. And it's not. Right. You can't just go to CBS and say, hey, here's some video. They'll be like, yeah, congrats, this looks great. Here's $100. Yeah. Whereas before, it was like five or $600. So. Do you have savings? Yes, we have a really nice savings account. Thank goodness. Uh, we uh, It's bounced around a lot. It's usually between fifteen dollars and $20,000, which is not a year's supply, to be sure. I know people, there are people out there, but that's not realistic for most Yeah, of us. most people don't have a year's supply of uh, yeah, savings. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah and, and honestly, with inflation and such, we've seen the hit to our bottom line. Uh, groceries are more expensive. Mm -hmm. We've added a third person to our household. Wonderful kid. But, you know, it's everything costs a little bit more money. Uh, you, and, I, I didn't realize you had a kid. This is recent. Yeah, very recent. Uh, Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Amazing kid. Absolutely amazing kid. Uh, but yeah, everything costs a little bit more too. So, yeah. so we're seeing like that margin we had before we were able to save mm -hmm. just kind of go away. But we also yeah. are doing things like we ha both have 401ks. We both have uh, uh, separate investing accounts that every paycheck money goes out before we don't even see it. And just like everybody else, we are dealing with uh, the trials of uh, trying to deal with how everything's going up in cost. But yet our wages somehow, uh, I think both of us have gotten a uh, commensurate cost of living rise, but it feels like some like groceries are way more than 6% mm -hmm. higher than they were before. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. What would you say your net worth is? Um, right now, if you take equity and probably how valuable businesses, that sort of thing, I'm only like 100,000, maybe quarter of a million, something like that. And with, with re retirement and everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's probably about a quarter million at most, which is, I don't know. I I mean, that's not bad. It's not, it's not bad. Uh, I, I, I think, like, for me, you know, the things that are important in life to me are isn't dollar amounts for sure. I think it's good. Like, we all have to concern, like, it's easy for me to say right now, right? Right, it's easy because I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about making bills. But the thing I definitely mm -hmm. want to keep in mind no matter if we're struggling or if we're thriving, is that the relationships we have with other people is, are the most important things we can do. Like it's it's those relationships, it's helping other people, it's being generous, it's uh, being known as somebody who wanted to make a difference and also made the world a better place. Those are all the things that are important to me. And it's great that the money has followed. Uh, obviously, it's great. Having money makes a lot of things easier, but also like I try to put value in life and other things too. What are the conversations like with your wife about you saying, look, I kind of want to go back to being a solopreneur and storm chasing and I don't know how much I'll bring in. Like, are those easy conversations 
Or does it feel stressful because you're asking someone else, can you be the steady rock and bring in the money and I can go do my thing? Like, what what, what does that look uh, like? I, I, we, I think we probably make it look easy in some ways. That's a really bad cop-out answer because she, she she's really <laughs> cool with it. She kind of has gotten grown used to my just absolute like nuttiness in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, she's still with me after I came out as trans. Like, I don't think there's anything that's like bringing us apart at this point. We are just like, she's used to it. How long have you been together? 10 years. So yeah. Okay. yeah so she was there before, after, etc. She was my best friend in high school. She was my best friend mm-hmm. in college. She was my best friend after college. And then we got married. And so she's awesome. Uh, I think it's like that, like, quiet mild panic but also with her but also like you can do this because you've done it before right yeah you've proven yourself yeah yeah you can do this but also we should probably think about and i think that's where the compromise comes in of like let's think through a way that i can work for have something underlying so your salary plus my salary without storm chasing we will make it we can make the mortgage we can have groceries Mm -hmm. you know all that we just might give up luxuries and that's what she's told me like Mm -hmm. You do realize that you might have to give up some of these luxuries you've been having. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I get it. Like I I I would. I would have to give up some luxuries. We would I wouldn't be able to just uh drop money on a camera like I did this last year. But mm-hmm. or not this last year, goodness, this last week. So <laughs> um, but yeah, so so she she's very supportive of it, but also in the like mild like I have concerns. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what does enough look like to you? I think enough for me looks like being able to afford a house. Which you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're, we're always going to live in places where housing is cheaper. That's like, I mean, to be quite honest with you, the only other place we probably will live at this point is back in Oklahoma, which as a trans person both scares me and excites me because that's where the fights are right now for trans mm-hmm. rights. And if we can win there, we win. But also like it, it's, I, so it's that it's also being able to like eat and also have a few luxuries. We want to, you know, we don't want to be like so uncomfortable that we're having to, go back to when we were first married and uh thinking through like what can how can we stretch this like these noodles into like four meals this week and pay spend 10 bucks on food like we i don't want to go back to those days so mm-hmm. for me it's like being able to afford your groceries being able to afford your food all your bills be comfortable and then be able to travel a couple of times a year which is you know think of that that sounds a little elitist to be sure but uh for me that's like that's where I want to be. And that's where, what it, enough would feel like. I would feel like we're mm-hmm. leaving if we don't. I feel like we are at enough right now. We're at more than enough right now. I don't need much more than I have. Of course, I would love it. Like, it'd be great if we were making a couple million dollars a year and could just drop 10000 on a trip to Europe on a whim, that sort of thing. But we just want to be able to have enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is funny. I'm almost like talking about retirement at this point you know it's almost sounding like i'm retiring but you know go somewhere live a nice comfortable life away from all the all the noise which is probably not a realistic option for me anymore and then just like see tornadoes go see tornadoes go see cool things with my life yeah, those are the things that i would love to do rachel thanks so much for talking to me this was really fun yeah no this was great i uh I enjoy talking anything, anything, storms, anytime, finances. I'm your person. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Other People's Pockets. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Word of mouth and reviews really help us out. Other People's Pockets is written and hosted by me, Maya Lau. It's produced by me along with Joy Sanford and Dan Gallucci. Production help from Angela Vang. Our executive producers are me along with Jane Marie and Dan Gallucci. A special thanks to Supercells. Other People's Pockets is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and Little Everywhere. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $6.99 a month. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. You can sign up for Pushkin newsletters at pushkin.fm. Find me on Twitter at Maya Lau or on Instagram and TikTok at It's Maya Money. And we would love to hear from you, listener. This week, we want to know more about the mixture of love and money. That could mean how do you do finances as a couple or as a thruple or how do you do money as a single person or as a person who recently broke up with someone? When love and money come together, what happens for you? Leave us a voicemail at 323-540-4255 or record a voice memo and send it to otherpeoplespockets at gmail.com. 